Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. It's great that you've joined us today, whether it be on YouTube or Spotify or Apple Music. Um, We are so pleased that you're here with us and I am of course here with Patty. Patty, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Matt. Very good. And yeah. uh, I believe your book is now finally out. Finally. It's really exciting. It looks magnificent. I'm really pleased. It's called My Life in Pictures and basically it starts off with my modelling career right from the beginning. So the clothes are rather sort of iffy and they can only get better and better and better <laughs> as the book goes on. Anyway, it's packed with wonderful fashion, photographs, and, uh, you know, my life as well. And uh, it's great. I really love it. I'm very, very pleased. Excellent. If you want to get your hands on the book, you can go to pattyboyd.co.uk, and there's a link there uh, through to where you can buy that. But shall we jump into the episode? Who, who's our guest uh, today? Today, we have the most wonderful guy, John Lodge from the Moody Blues. I've known John for quite a while, and absolutely adore him. And this was the first uh, first cocktail um, that we've had, which uh, was completely made up, wasn't it? It was his own concoction. And of course, guess what? It had to be blue. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so this is Cocktails with Patty and John Lodge. Hello, darling. Hello. Hello. Do you know, it's a very, very silly thing, but I can't remember when I first met you. I feel I've known you forever. Yes, forever. Forever. But we must have met at some point. Yeah. Not in our our childhood, certainly. Not in our childhood. Because you grew up in Birmingham. Birmingham, England. That's why I love your accent. Motor City, Birmingham. Yeah, and born in a little estate... Council estate in Birmingham. Went to obviously a secondary modern school, infant school. I think I went there when I was four. And um, but I managed to uh, take eleven plus when I was ten years of age. Ah. And I didn't know what uh, eleven plus was for. But a grammar school, I had no idea what a grammar school was. And I remember going to King Edward's Grammar School in Birmingham to take the exam. I must have taken three buses to get there. All on Um, your own? Yeah, well, I was 10 years of age, yeah. And um, I remember walking into the hallowed hall uh, and... uh, it was like walking into Hogwarts, you know, Harry Potter now. I remember walking into this room. I'd never seen a school like it. My school was a prefabricated school built during the war, I think, for war children and everything else. And um, I was sitting at a desk with an inkwell and a pen, you know, ink pen. And looking at the desk was all these names engraved on me for people 
students who've been there for hundreds of years. And I was looking at all these paintings on the walls of this, in this room, I, I couldn't, couldn't get a grasp of it at all. And suddenly, the master comes in, a black cloak and the waterboard, and said, you know, good morning to everyone. And I looked up and uh, he said, he passed the exam papers around. And he's basically start. And I'm looking at the exam paper and I'm trying to take all of this in. It was amazing. I come from a council house. Yeah. And this building with all woodwork and paintings and oil paintings and history. Did you like it? Uh, I couldn't believe it. it Were it, you frightened it, by it? Or no, did I was you... in awe. I think yeah. this is a, another world I don't know about. Yes. And um, so I took the exam, didn't think anything about it. And I was going to uh, Saturday morning pictures every I think we all did it at the time. Uh, you'd go and see Roy Rogers or what, at the local cinema. And I remember standing in the queue with my friends. And somebody said, uh, John, there's your dad on a bike. And look, and my father was cycling towards the queue. On the, on the, I'd, I'd never seen him on, on a bicycle before. It must be my sister's, I suppose. And he's got this piece of paper waving. And he pulled out, he said, you passed. I said, what for? Grammar school. And he had the envelope. And uh, <laughs> it was an amazing feeling. And, and, and uh, for me, being from a council house, uh, council estate, was one of the turning points of my life because I met so many people all my age, from all walks of life, mm -hmm. all walks. Mm -hmm. When I, when you were in the, when I was in the council, I, I only met the same people as me. Yeah. Their dads were at work or on strike or not at work, you know. Uh, but at grammar school, I met all these people from different walks of life, and uh, yeah. So I, I went to Central Grammar School uh, in Birmingham, and uh, I loved it. I took my, took my O-levels when I was 15, because my birthday is late July. And uh, yeah, I loved it. Did you realise that um, music would become your passion later on? Um, it was while I was at um, the grammar school. Grammar school. There was um, a coffee, coffee bar up the road from the school. Every lunchtime, I... It was called Eddie's Cafe. <laughs> and every lunchtime, I would go there when I was 13, take my uh, coin, drop it in this slot on this Bellamy jukebox, and listen to the latest records of Fats Domino, Little Richard, Jerry Lee Lewis, Gene Vincent. And um, I was overwhelmed by rock and roll. I really was. It was. And I thought, I've got to be part of this. I, I really, I had no musical incline, inclination at all until I was about 12 was to 13. All right, not was there music played at home? No. 
No music at home? No. So when you heard these first records on the jukebox, was this the t first time you well, became aware of music and rock and roll? Rock and roll, rock and roll o'clock was my first. I went to see rock and roll o'clock and Bill Haley and all everyone else was in that movie. And there was this, an excitement I hadn't f felt before. And um, I didn't know I was going to be part of it. It was an excitement I felt. And then um, a neighbor of ours in uh, where, I was, where I grew up, her son was in the armed forces because it was conscription then for a lot of young people. And he'd just come back from Germany with a guitar. And his mother said to my mother, would your young Johnny like to buy this guitar? Um, I think it was like two pound ten shillings or something, nothing that way. Yeah. And uh, my mum bought it for me. And then I spent the next three months or whatever in my bedroom trying to work out how this guitar worked. And, um, uh, and as, as I say, at the same time, I was going to the coffee bar listen to all these rock and roll records. And then I thought, how can I be part of this? Because it's so alien, I thought, to me and English people. All the rock and roll heroes then, like Billy Fury and Cliff Richard and they're all Tommy Steele, they're all icons. Mm -hmm. But most, they're really, we're really following American trends. Then I heard That Will Be The Day by Buddy Holly. Oh, loved it. And uh, I fell in love with it and I bought that record. It took me three months to get the record. And I've still got the record. I've got a Wurlitzer jukebox in, the, <laughs> in my drawing room here. Yeah. And That Will Be The Day, that 78, is still on the jukebox. Really? And it plays, still plays today. And uh, I started to learn Buddy Holly's songs. And I was privileged when Bolly Holly came to um, on tour in England. My then <laughs> sister's boyfriend uh, bought me a front row ticket in the Sertle, and I was about what thirteen, and I saw Bolly Holly live, and yeah. and I thought that was it. I I know how to do it now, because there was <laughs> this guy in a black suit, Dickie Bow, playing a Fender Stratocaster guitar. I thought, that's what I want. I, I can do this, write your own songs. And I started working really more and more on the guitar. Uh, but I still went back to the jukebox and the left hand side of the piano was driving me mad, all the boogie stuff. And um, so I learned to play all the boogie parts on the guitar and there were no bass guitars in Birmingham at the time at all. So I started playing boogie on the guitar, bottom four strings of the guitar, and, and then I formed a band with Ray Thomas from Moody's. And uh, when I was 15, I met Ray when I was 15, 
and uh, I started playing all these boogie parts. Uh, and did you name the band the Moody Blues then? No, right? the band was El Riot and the Rebels. <laughs> El Riot. <laughs> we, well, it, it, you, at that time, everybody dressed up. Johnny Kidd and the Pirates. He came out as a pirate and the band, and there's Lord Rockingham Levin dressed like a king and everything else and uh, uh, everybody dressed up. So we thought El Riot and the Rebels and we had Mexican outfits, even sombreros, can you believe? Every Saturday morning, all musicians normally go to the uh, music store where they're all guitars on and everybody's shown, I've learned this this week, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I went there every Saturday and uh, um, just prior to that, I went to see Jerry Lee Lewis on tour and there was a guy at the back playing look looked like uh, a Stratocaster guitar like Buddy Holly's. But I realised he didn't, he's only had four strings and I realised he was a bass player. Right. No double bass, yes. electric bass. And I thought, that's what I want. I, I want one of those. Okay. And uh, I went to my music store one Saturday morning, Jack Woodroffs in uh, Birmingham. And there it was in the front in the window. It said, direct from the USA, three color Fender Precision bass. It was like, wow. It was my Damascus moment. And I rushed down to my father and said, Dad, you've got to help me, come on. And he did it. We went back up and uh, he signed the papers and they bought that guitar in, in 1960. And it's the bass guitar of recorded nearly every Moody Blue song and my song and I still use it today for recording. Wow. It's absolutely beautiful wow. guitar. When I pick it up and start playing it, it so, seems to play on its own. Oh, John. It's amazing. And it's really, what's really amazing, I can still smell the smell of the guitar from the day I bought it. It's real, pick the guitar and yes. it's something magic. And he's, I said, come on, play me something. <laughs> and How he seems to do. fabulous. Uh, what a story. Yeah, so uh, that was it, really. That's how we came to play bass guitar. And, and then I started to uh, write. Uh, our, the band we had, I had a Ray will, lasted like four years. So um, Ray said to me one day, we're going to form a super group and um, go down to London and record. Ray was a couple of years older than me and Mike was and, and Graham. And I said, well, I'm still at college. You know, I want to, uh, studying engineering. I want to finish college as well. So I said, I can't come with you, you know. So they went down to London and uh, I really supported, still supported them because they're friends. Yeah. And they recorded Go Now, which was obviously a massive hit. And massive hit. It was yeah, wonderful. And a, uh, a brilliant Bessie Banks song. Yes. Which is I heard beautiful, the original. Yeah. Beautiful. And one of my favourite records at the time. 
obviously because they're, they're friends as well, you know. But a year, about a year later, rang, Ray rang me up and said, uh, he always called me Rocker. Hey, Rocker, he said, have you finished college yet? And I said, I've just finished. He said, well, get down to London, we need you. And I went down to, to London and um, uh, stayed with Mike for a while. And, uh, and then I met Justin. They said, we've got a guy called Justin Hayward. So I met Justin, that was June, I think, 66. And that was it really, for the band there and then, the new Moody Blues. And we went into the studio. We went to uh, a little village in Bel Belgium called Moucron. And we stayed at a bed and breakfast. And we started rehearsing there and writing our own songs. It was great actually, <laughs> great little story. We were re rehearsing there. And we got a call from Colin Berlin. Colin Berlin was Tom Jones' agent. Mm -hmm. Tom had the uh, record, It's Not Unusual. Mm -hmm. And he was starring in the Olympia at Paris. Um, when they got there, they realized it was only Tom Jones. And Tom didn't know two hours of music. And so Colin rang us up in Belgium. I don't know how he got our number. And said, boys, how many songs have you learned? We said, we're 20 minutes. He said, well, get to the Paris Olympia quick. Uh, you second on the bill to Tom Jones. <gasps> no. Yeah. So we <laughs> went to the Paris Olympia and um, uh, Colin said, what we going, Tom Jones's band is called the Squires. We're going <laughs> to get them some different clothes. And I, I think it's a week, so I'm not too sure now. But we were gonna put them on as the opening act, as a French band. <laughs> 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 so the, the compare will come on, they'll do the first act. Compare will come back on, introduce you, you finish the first half. Then the squires will come on as the squires, and then Tom will come on afterwards. And that was our first baptism of fire, really. Yeah. And the Paris Olympia is one of the greatest venues in Europe yes, to play. It is. And uh, yeah. uh, the photographs oh, are great. And God. it was John uh, right up to the top. Yes, almost right. at the beginning. Yeah, and it was amazing. And uh, then Colin Berlin said, "Boys, you've got to come back to England." And, uh, and so we we came back to England and started doing gigs around. England and uh, and then we we re recorded Days of Future Past. Fabulous. And and then that became a hit in England and, and in America. And three months later, went into the studio and recorded another album called In Search of the Lost Chord, and that became a big hit in America. And, um, but John, so, did you? You didn't. It sounds to me as if you didn't really do what a lot of new bands do, up and down the M1, playing didn't. all these little clubs, etc. You didn't do that. No. <gasps> you didn't tread the boards like everyone else, no, John. It's really strange. <laughs> well, I, I think we did it when I was like fifteen to twenty-one. Yeah. With El Rise of the Rebels, we're okay. travelling all over, playing with 
Johnny Kidd and the Pirates and people like that, the Brooks Brothers, who remember those. And, uh, we did a lot of that then, and I decided I didn't want to do it that after I wanted to record. Yes. Write and record and play our own music. And um, it seemed to, seemed to work, and we got a call from, uh, I think it was CMA in America, and that was, we, we recorded Days of Future Past in like the October, I think, 67. And in October 68, we're touring America. Oh, it was fabulous. amazing. Oh, and, we, and we went straight to the Fillmore East in New York, one of their first concerts. Yes. Fillmore West in uh, Los Angeles uh, and the Shrine Auditorium. And we seemed to miss out on all the other, the Roxies, the Troubadours. We missed out on playing any of those. Isn't that it's interesting? really strange. Thinking of the name, the Moody Blues, I couldn't help but notice. Your cocktail of choice has got blue in it, John. Yeah, I thought we'd, we'd experiment with um, a blue curacao yeah. uh, and some Kettle One vodka. Uh, and I, I've mixed up some fresh blueberry. Very moody. Yeah. Very moody, and if it if it tastes nice... <laughs> I know, blueberries are meant to be good for us. Yes. Anyway. I'll put ice in... Yes. Shake and not stir it. So. Love that sound. I'm going to do two vodkas. Yeah. One curacao. And how do they get it that incredible blue? Yeah. You can use this in the winter to stop your car freezing over. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Is that what you tell Kirsten? <laughs> <laughs> so, and uh, what you do now is sour mix right. in there, half the amount of the, um, the curacao. Okay. Right. And you can buy this sour mix, but I thought, why not make your own? So I went online to see how it was made. Oh. And it's, um, it's water. Uh, sugar and then I think six lemons squeezed nice. and six limes because the limes are smaller mm -hmm. so it's like two to one and put it in sugar dough put it in the fridge and we'll see <laughs> and uh, save John is driving home anyway. <laughs> Is this, in fact, an experiment, or is this? Would I find this in a cocktail? No, book? it's it's my own concoction. <gasps> of no, course it no, is. No, no. Of course. No. All if, right. you, if you Silly want me. to experiment with music, you know, you've got to, you can't copy everyone else, can you? John, I love it. So here we go. One spoon. <laughs> Love this colour. The colour's great, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful? Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Brilliant. Cheers. Cheers. Mmm. Oh, I like it. I yeah. like it. Did you ever have a have a have a? Oh, I can't speak now. One sip. I can't speak. <laughs> Did moody, you ever have a? Um, blew out. <laughs> Did you ever have a vineyard? Or am I imagining this? No, I haven't got a vineyard, but I do have my own wine company called Chrisima. 
And I have a red wine out of Napa Valley. Mm -hmm. I have a red wine out of Bordeaux. And I have a white wine out of South Africa. And the red wine from Bordeaux, we managed to get a bronze medal for oh. in the International Wine Conference. And the white wine, the Chardonnay from South Africa, we managed to get the gold. Oh, award. John. Yeah. How fabulous. And it's called Chrisoma. And Emily, uh, our daughter, my daughter, uh, she runs it. And we, we sell it mainly on tour or through the website. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fun. Well it's done, fun. you. How lovely. It's, it's great travelling around and um, going to different areas. Uh, say, Napa Valley is beautiful. Mm. I remember going there in the 60s and thinking, this is where I want to live eventually. Never did. But I always was f f such a fantastic place. Uh, and uh, Bordeaux for red wines it's yes. just amazing if you've never experienced going to a real vineyard you should do it i've done it i've been to but, napa uh, napa is it's really, very beautiful i go up there because i play golf as well so johnny miller is a friend of mine and he owns the uh, silverado golf club in napa yeah it's fabulous oh lovely so now, I think you've told me in the past, John, I know that you play golf a lot. And is it really true that you can organise your tours of America around golf clubs? <laughs> well, <laughs> we used to. We, we used to. Actually, it was fantastic. Our manager was a wonderful guy called uh, Tom Hewlett and Jerry Weintraub, actually. But Tom and I, we used to say, we, we play Washington we can play the Congressional Golf Club. If we play Vegas, we can play. <laughs> and we used to. Yeah. And uh, I was reminiscing the other day, we, we played the uh, arena, the Spectrum, in Philadelphia, which is a big, big arena. And uh, because of Jerry Weintraub and Elvis and the casinos connection, um, we had a sort of automatic suite hotels in Atlantic City. Right. So we came on stage one night and Tom said, we're in Baltimore tomorrow. I said, yeah. He said, look, we, we've got the limo downstairs after the concert. We're going to drive straight to Atlantic City. We'll have uh, breakfast there early, go into the casino, seven o'clock, have breakfast again. And we we teeing off at 7.30. <laughs> and I said, but what about Baltimore? He said, oh, we've got a plane coming at 12 o'clock to fly us to Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it, it was madness plan. like that, you know. Tell me, John, because you're a songwriter, aren't you? And I mean, to have come out of school, although, you know, you had really nice education there, and then to come across music, to see what instrument you would really love. You felt a sort of fondness towards. And then how did you learn how to write music? I honestly I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I can be really flippant and say 
I can never remember the lyrics of other people's songs. Yeah. And I found when I write my own songs, I can remember them. So that's a flippant attitude, excuse, I suppose. But I wanted to um, uh, explore music mm. without having a formal education. Okay. And uh, I wanted to find out what notes go with what notes, what chords go with what chords. And um, I think when you s spend hours finding out how something works, things start to coagulate, I think, uh -huh. in your mind. Yeah. And you say, oh, that goes with that, that uh -huh. goes with that. Right. And, uh, and um, then we were all of, at the time copying American songs, mm. um, particularly the blues um, or blues rock and roll. And when you investigate what they're singing about, they're singing about their lives or the people they know, their lives, mm. the people they know, mm. you know, got up this morning, went out to work, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I think we, I and the rest of the band, we realised it's about growing up. And why not equate growing up lyrically with your own life? Uh, about school, what you learned, what you didn't learn, what you take forward, what you don't take forward. Uh, and I think that's where I started to come from. Uh, I love reading. And uh, I think when you read, not just fiction, I mean, everything. Yes. You're exploring all the while. You're expanding your mind, I yes, think. Yes, it is. And, um, and I wanted to do that with my songwriting. I wanted to explore, see what boundaries I can actually go past. <laughs> you know, there's a horizon out there. Isn't we all see a horizon. If we stop at the horizon, we don't know what's the other side. Yes. And I've always tried to find out, write yes. about what's the yes, other side. Right. That way you can get a couple of meanings into a song, you know. You can, on the surface, it may be a straightforward song. But when you look at it in depth, you think, oh, that relates to something else, really. And you, you can uh, progress, perhaps, you know, a Columbus moment, keep going past the horizon. And I think that was what I was trying it's to do. It's adventurous. Yeah. It's adventurous. Yeah, adventure. Yeah. Uh, but also, there's other parts of songwriting which I've been really fortunate about because I can write songs for Kirsten. When my daughter was born, I wrote a song for her on an, an album and called Emily's Song. And when my son, son was born, I wrote a song f for him called Carry Me on, on an album. And uh, when my grandson was born, I wrote a song for him called Simply Magic. Uh, just when I thought nothing could get any better than this, you came along like a word in a song, and a word I thought I'd never get.
Has anything that you've written not gone down so well in front of an audience as it does in the studio? Is there a difference? John, there is a difference. Uh, now with modern technology, you can take on a lot more songs that you couldn't have performed years ago. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, in the 60s and 70s, we had like 100,000 watts of PA and probably 50,000 watts of amplifiers on stage. And so it was loudness coming from one place. Uh, so suddenly trying to uh, have an acoustic guitar playing in those days yeah. was really difficult. Right. But nowadays you can. Uh, I do one song on stage called One More Time To Live. And I know when we released the album, we did a tour with it. Uh, but that was like, I don't think I've performed that song since like 1983. Oh my gosh. Because, but now with modern technology, I can, work, can. make it work. Right. Because I have a cello in my band. Oh, I love it. And uh, I, the cello is really loud. Really loud. Is it's as it? loud as an electric guitar. And that's why I want that cello to become part of the rhythm section and also the lead section. And uh, you couldn't do that 20 years. You couldn't do that 10 years ago. But you can now. Interesting. Yes. How really, fabulous. Yeah. The progress of the pro everything. Yes. How lovely. Yes. How lovely. Yeah. I hear you were inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's fantastic. Is it this I, year or last year? Yeah, uh, no, um, I, I'd look, have to look at the poster, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when people said, you know, you're going to be inducted in the Hall of Fame, uh, it was like, okay, yeah, thank you. And uh, I really didn't think that much about it, to mm -hmm. be honest. Not that we're, I neglected it, but it was an American thing. And yeah. now it's really massive yeah. in America. And um, it really hit me on the day of the induction. There we were, sitting there with thousands of people come to see who'd been inducted. Mm -hmm. And we were, the Moody Blues were one of those. And the organiser came up to me and said, John, can we, read, can we read your script, your acceptance speech? And I said, well, to be honest, I don't ever write one because it's how I feel there and then. Yes. Whatever I do, it's how I feel. I said, you will be okay. There was, will be nothing you want to delete, I assure you. And I hadn't thought about what I was going to say at all. Mm -hmm. And um, the next minute, really, I'm on stage, you know, accepting the award. And uh, I'm looking at the, all these people and thinking about all the people around the world who have voted for us to be in. And it, in a way, it was really humiliating and exciting at yeah. the same time, the same things. Yeah. I thought, how can all these people vote, vote for us and all the people around the world? And I remember saying to, in the speech, it's not us who are going into the Hall of Fame, 
it's for you guys as well. Thank you very much. And I really meant that. And while I was standing on stage, my absolute number one influence was Buddy Holly. Yeah. One year we did all the five concerts Buddy Holly did. We just decided to do oh, that route. You? Oh, did you? And we ended <laughs> up, I, I ended up with Justin. We, at midnight, we got the graveyard opened up <laughs> and we went to see Buddy Holly's grave. And um, I thought, what could, I must leave something, you know. And I had to pick plectrum. And so I put the plectrum down on the grave, you know, Buddy Holly's grave. Oh, did you? And uh, when I did that, it is, not, it is absolutely true. A cricket came and landed on the gravestone. Stop it! It's Stop it! It is. I can't bear that. Yeah. It's a, a cricket. cricket. Yeah. I could. I, from his land, like, the crickets. There's oh a my problem. God. Billion crickets. Oh my there. gosh! But it was just that moment. Oh, and I uh, love that. anyway, so oh, going back to the <laughs> going back to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, I remember standing there, thinking, I'm standing shoulder to shoulder with Buddy Holly. How cool is that? This guy, me, this kid from Birmingham, Council House, is standing next to, in the Rock and Roll of Fame, to Buddy Holly. And I thought, my grandson, who was in the audience watching, I thought, when he's grown up, married, whatever, and he's standing with children through the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, he's going to say, that's my granddad. Yes. And I thought, well, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. That'll do. And um, oh, that that put a smile on my face, uh, even today when I think about it. That that's cool. Lovely. And uh, it, it it was fantastic that these people took their time out to vote. Yes. For us, you yeah. know, uh, it meant well, you know. Your music means a lot to, to so yeah, many people. Yeah, it, it was it was fantastic. You know. You, I can't thank you enough, John. My pleasure. We've been saying we'll do this. We're ready. Oh, we have. And we've done yeah. it. I hope you enjoyed. You both enjoyed the Moody Blue yes. Martini. Thank you for this, John. Well, cheers. Cheers, darling. <laughs> Right, well, that was absolutely lovely, and I thank John Lodge very, very much. He was utterly adorable, and um, I think we did a really nice podcast. I can't say the same about the drink, however. It was very blue, and I wasn't sure whether it was... Um, I wasn't sure really what it was. But anyway, John seemed to love it. You know what, I really liked it as well, and I've been trying to recreate it. Um, oh. um, but listening back to that episode, I realised I'd be missing the, the sour uh, ingredient. The lime and lemon? Yeah, Okay. that's where I've been going wrong. Okay. So um, I'm going to try that again and uh, right. hope I get onto a winner. But um, hey, thank you so much for listening to the episode, or, or if you've uh, been watching on YouTube, thank you so much. Uh, it means a lot that so many people have been engaging with the uh, podcast and uh, so many people have been enjoying it. We've still got plenty of episodes to come, um, so please do subscribe, uh, leave a like, a comment, all that good stuff. And uh, if you want to find out um, about previous episodes, you can find them at pattyspodcast.co.uk. And for everything else, you can go to pattyboyd.com. 
www.patrickmcgrath.com and we will be back in a couple of weeks. But before we go, um, Patty, you just uh, you brought your book in, didn't you? So if you're watching on YouTube, um, this is a, a little bit of a sneak peek of the book. See, here's the cover. It's really nice, taken many, many years ago. And um, it's actually, it's fine. It seems to have transcended years. Mm. And it's lovely paper, lovely, lovely, lovely. And I think everybody would enjoy it. Yes. Can we see maybe like the first page? Something yeah. like that. Or, or uh, something. Let's see. Oh, look. Here are quite a lot of photographs. Wow, yeah. So this is quite nice. Taken from a scrapbook. It's a sort of scrapbook awesome. effect. Yeah. Fun. And it just goes on and on. And lovely photos. Some sort of quite gorgeous Amazing. <laughs> anyway, it's really worth getting because it's even I really like it. <laughs> um, there's one here of Taylor Swift and me, which is quite fun. Amazing. Very cool. Taylor Swift, if you're so, watching, we'd love to get you on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a moment. Yes. Oh God, that girl is so busy. Yeah, absolutely. She's got a new album coming out. I know, soon. I know. I can't Very wait awesome. to get that. Yeah. Anyway, if you want to get your hands on the book, go to pattyboyd.co.uk and there'll be a link there to, uh, to buy it. Uh, but for now, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Have a good time. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.